eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. I think we just bypassed the opening drive too, but we, we get the gist. Everyone can follow along. Dan, I, I think that before we get into some of the categories, I wrote this and, and you wrote something similar. And I think it's the biggest takeaway as it pertains to Justin Fields. My sense was that, in, you know, the Bears, the way I put it, might have lost more than just a football game on Sunday. I feel like there's uh, if this was happening gradually on, on Sunday, it seemed to be maybe more suddenly or more obviously. But the loss of hope in Justin Fields. I think he lost a lot of people that might have believed in him up until a certain point. And, and I referenced that two minutes, 24 seconds left in the game. The a field goal ties it, a, a touchdown wins it. They're at the seven yard line. And I just don't know how many people out there expected the bears to do anything except for what they did, which is he threw a pick six and they, they, you, you weren't like anticipating good things. There's such a, you talk about a culture, the expectation is the Bears are going to find a way to lose this game if there is a way to lose this game, and I think it starts with the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Herb Howard and I talked about it on the postgame pod, David, that you were just trying to figure out how it was going to go haywire. Was it going to be a turnover on downs? Was it going to be a actual turnover? Was it going to be uh, a catastrophic turnover that resulted in the Buccaneers in the end zone, which it turned out to be on the first play nonetheless? And I know we'll get into that whole uh, fatal screenplay in a few minutes here, but let's say that they that they complete that and get six or seven yards on it and they get out to the 11 12 yard line, whatever it is. Do you really think they're going the next 88 yards um, with what they had shown through the first three quarters, plus the four quarters in week one, plus all of the, 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 
the moments down the stretch of the 10 game losing string a year ago to believe that they were going to get it done in crunch time. You don't. And, and it's because the track record of failure is long and growing longer. And, and that is disheartening. It's dispiriting. That feeling follows you into the huddle when you get the ball back with 224 to go in a game that you still can win despite playing poorly for most of the afternoon and being basically beaten in every phase of the game. It was a miracle that they had the ball in their hands with a chance to go tie the game or win it. And yet, to your point, there was almost no one in the stadium, in the city of Chicago, in the audience that felt like, okay, this is where this is where it all shifts. This is where it all gets done. That's as problematic as anything. Uh, and it's a testament to just how pronounced the struggles have been. So I, I think that when you look at the defining moment as we get to our first category, it's hard to get past that yeah. one in terms of the, the screen pass and well, it just was so reminiscent. Maybe it's a, a, the curse of number seven. Isn't Quay Walker number seven with the he Packers? Might he might Chef be. Barrett is number seven. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe the, the they should uh, look into that. But the me, the defining moment was when you have a chance to make a play, and not it's not all on Justin Fields, but, boy, it's hard to get past that first – or that last pass, the, the pick six, the second straight week to get a pick six as being any more defining than that because that, that gave uh, deprived the Bears a chance of winning the game. It deprived Justin Fields a chance of winning over some, uh, some people who might have been skeptics about whether or not he could lead a drive. And I know that there are more that goes into it than just the quarterback, but if you're talking about QB1, there's not a play that's any more indelible about that outcome and that outing on Sunday than that one. Well, you may have just seen me leaning forward, typing in some research on my computer. Harrison Butker is number seven for the Chiefs. So they, they're, they're not in much danger of Harrison Butker having the game ceiling pick six uh, in week three at Arrowhead. So so take a, take a, a sigh of relief that that curse won't continue. But you're right. I mean, the defining moment is the defining moment. And I think – What's problematic to me, and I tried to dive into this a little deeper with Matt Eberflus on Monday afternoon at Hallis Hall, and he really wouldn't go deeper into it, and there's probably good reasons why, but it was first down, you know, and like that's, again, one of those situations where even if the play call isn't what you love, and even if the look that you get from the Bucks isn't great, and even if it, it, it's not executed the way you want, the last thing you can do is to turn the ball over there, right? At worst, just dirt it, get rid of it put it in the seats, put it at the feet of a, a, a lineman with your running back nearby, whatever it takes to just get on a second down and then maybe call something different, get yourself some room. The other part of this, David, is that they actually hit a screen for nine yards on the previous snap. And it was brought back because Chase Claypool committed an offensive pass interference penalty. And so you're thinking, man, like just stay out of your own way there. And maybe that first screenplay hits and maybe that's the only screen you're going to call on the entire drive. And now you're going to turn it loose like you did on the, the previous touchdown drive to get yourself back in the game. But this is the Bears right now. They just get in their own way. Chase Claypool tells reporters after the game that he thought it was a, a, a running play, even though it was a passing play. So somewhere along the lines, there's crossed wires, which is the last thing you can have on the first play of a potential game tying or game winning drive you've got a quarterback who doesn't see it right makes a bad throw you got a play call that's in question you know i asked matt directly david like if you had a redo right we know the nfl doesn't give redos but if you had a redo what would you adjust in terms of either the play call decision the pre-snap 
uh, you know, read of it and the, the post-snap execution. And basically he said the pre-snap read was was perfect. It was A1. The de- Buccaneers were in a defense that allows for us to get a back basically free and into space for a screen. So he he was good with that. Really wouldn't go into what went wrong on the post-snap execution, which tells you that there was probably some flaws in, in, in kind of the way they blocked it up and the way the quarterback saw it and the where the ball was delivered. And the next thing you know, there is an absolute – uh, party in that end zone on the pirate ship side of Raymond James Stadium because the Buccaneers went ahead and basically landed that knockout blow. Not to digress, but how would you explain that lack of communication? I mean, how does that happen in a, in a in a key moment that clutch and that meant as much as it did to that game? They talk since May about the amount of situational work they get because they understand that all games in the NFL come down to these situational moments. Game on the line, two minutes left, you've got the ball, go do it. Justin talked on Sunday afternoon about being in that same mindset. They've worked on it so often. Okay, two-minute drill, two-minute drill, two-minute drill. We practice this, we practice this. Let's just channel what we do in practice. Let's go down the field and get it. They're not sharp. They're not crisp. They're not together. All of the things that you need to to win a football game, and this is about finishing. And you know, it's it's on both sides of the ball. It's in all three phases. You got to finish plays. You got to finish drives. You got to finish games. Um, they're not capable right now. And in the, in the biggest moments, they find a way to to kind of show the world that they're not capable. And I think that's what's so disheartening about all of this for everybody involved. Is it's just like one time, one time, just write a different chapter in this book, and maybe it'll be a little bit more uh, enlivening and entertaining for the rest of us. Sensing a theme, but our next category is the uh uh-oh category. And even though the biggest uh uh-oh was the defining moment, another one came later in the fourth quarter. So now the Bears are down 10, but they do have a last gasp, and you have the football. And after Justin Fields is sacked, it's third and 19. Bad situation, third and 19 when you're down 10 at the 16-yard line. But – he throws another interception. And and I think that the worst thing about this one wasn't necessarily maybe the execution. You don't want it to happen. Um, but this was desperation mode. But the fact is that wow. now you've got another fourth quarter turnover. And these are statistics and these are numbers that begin to pile up. And, you know, whether or not, you know, the, the hidden meaning behind all of them, when you look at it, it as a total, whether it's midseason or at the end of a season, you look at fourth quarter turnovers and they're piling up for Justin Fields in a season where he's going to be evaluated and we're starting to make judgments on what he can do when you need him to do something special. When we talked about setting uh, statistical bars for Justin a couple weeks ago before the season started for this season, one of the things we talked about was playing better in the fourth quarter. He had a, a abysmal fourth quarter passer rating in 2022, and we wanted to, that to go up. We wanted the turnovers to come down, and it's doing just the opposite through two games. David, his passer rating in the fourth quarter through these first two games, winnable games, as you mentioned at the outset, is 43.8. His interception rate is 10.3% on fourth quarter passes. This is trending in the wrong direction. It can't continue. They have to figure out a way to get there. Chase Claypool's got to catch that that pass. You know, look, like I get it. The game is probably over. You're down 10. That's still a drive to get yourself right. There's still enough time on the clock to go down, get points, right? Get points and then figure out if Cairo Santos has got a magic uh, onside kick in his bag. You know, just just do it. The Buccaneers are celebrating. They've, they've taken their foot off the gas. They realize the last thing uh, that they can do to uh, – 
to, to lose the game is give up a big play. So, so you're going to have completions available for you. And then again, you throw another interception and this is the way it all lands. I'll say this also, uh, go ahead. I think you're right. I mean, I, I don't want to unfairly uh, blame Justin Fields for this pick when, when Claypool pulls effort could have right. been better. I just think that w- the point in, in maybe identifying this as a problem is that you, you know how it goes, you know, in three weeks when we're looking at a category that says Justin Fields, fourth quarter turnovers, we're not going to be able to tell the story of every pick. Right. And every, every story, ha- every pick has a story, but in the, in the end, the quarterback pays because it's like a, it's like a bloop single. It's a line drive in the box score. It doesn't matter when you're evaluating and looking at things statistically at the end of the year, in the middle of a season, when you're looking for analysis, do you know the down and distance of that pass that you're talking about? Third and third and nine, uh, third and nineteen, I believe. Third and nineteen. That's a familiar down and distance for the Bears, isn't it? Third and nineteen. An eleven yard sack on the previous play. It's just, it's all symptomatic of what's happening here, and it, it, it's re- it's really an issue. Um, for me, David, part of the uh oh here was how good they looked on the first drive contrasted with what happened for the next. I I, I would love to figure out what it was in real time, and maybe when I go through my rewatch. Uh, I can I can figure that out, but you go down the field and set you know and get 75 yards and and seven points on your initial drive, and then your next six drive combined, I think it was three points and 64 net yards. Okay, so you had six consecutive possessions that went punt, punt, field goal, punt, punt, punt. Why aren't you able to sustain anything that you created on that opening drive when it was clearly like like sitting inside Raymond James Stadium, the way the Bears knifed down the field on the first drive? You're like, yes, that. That that is in there, and it is so refreshing to see that that is in there. And then you're like, okay, maybe this is a different day. You know, maybe they figured some things out on the bridge from week one to week two. And then you sit there through the second quarter, through the third quarter, through the first drive of the fourth quarter, and you go, they ain't figured bleep out, right? They ain't figured bleep out. And and that's what Matt Eberflus is referring to today on Monday when he stopped short of criticizing Justin Fields, but when he was asked to give him a grade or evaluate him. He said the same thing kind of twice. He basically said he did some nice things. He's going to stay positive, but you need more consistency. And that's what you're talking about. If they had consistently executed the offense the way they did in the opening drive, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about the loss number two. We'd be sitting here talking about how they rallied to win on the road, and then now they're going to Kansas City with a tough challenge. But that's not the narrative because they're not capable of the consistency that their head coach talked about on Monday. Hold on. Let me get my record player out and put this broken record on there. Yeah, the, exactly. Bears have, the Bears have not scored more than 20 points in a game since week 11 of last season. Oh, I say God. it to you every week, and it keeps happening, right? Broken record, boom. It, it, it's, it's reliable, this broken record, the way it keeps repeating and skipping and doing the same things. Here we are. And now, again, now we're going to Kansas City. You know, the other uh-oh is kind of like the secondary uh, category here, but he was sacked six times, and I think at least on half of those conservatively, you could say he held on to the ball too long. The biggest uh-oh about Justin Fields at this stage of his development is, uh-oh, there he goes again, holding on to the ball too long. It's not necessarily even his accuracy, which I think it can be an issue. It's not even that he's missing the layups or making them look like three-pointers, which can be an issue. I think that the biggest problem is the clock in his head seems to be broken, and he's not able to unload the ball when he needs to, so he's taking more sacks than this offense can afford. Yeah. 
No, I mean, a hundred percent. And you're saying it in real time. That's not something you go back on the all 22 and you go, Oh man, I think this ball should have been out. You're saying it in real time. You want, you've watched enough NFL football to know, get it out, get it out, get it out. Even, you know, or, or get yourself out. You know, if you're not going to throw it, get on the move and turn this into a scramble drill. You can either use your legs or your legs and arm as a combination. We talked about that last week and it didn't happen Sunday. It was like uh, a regression in terms of the ability to extend plays. It was just like, Oh, it's not there. Oh my God, now I'm frozen. And now I've got four Buccaneers defensive linemen on top of me. Jonathan Jones, who, who works for CBS, he came through uh, in the summer and he was at a mini camp practice at Hallis Hall. I go back to my days in, in uh, North Carolina knowing Jonathan, and he was standing about 10 feet away from me on a particularly rough day for the offense. And he's watching a, a, a seven on seven period. And you could hear him like literally standing by himself going, throw it. Throw it, <laughs> throw it. And then he walks down by me with wide eyes and he goes, does it look like this a lot? And I said, yeah, man, it, it, it does. And he was just stunned at like, you know, the, the, the first glimpse of that, of being like, my God, like this, the, the clock is not there. Like the ball's got to be out. It's got to go. And that just kind of tells you like, this is, this is what's happening right now. Is there a fix for it? Hopefully if there's not, you know, we're, we're going to go from, you know, the cries for Tyson Bajan to the cries for, how, how, you know, I mean, like, are you ready for November and December to be crash for Caleb? <laughs> See, uh, crash for Caleb has a nice ring to it. Tank for Caleb, not quite. I'm not ready for hashtags, Dan. No, <laughs> I am not ready for a hashtag season. So let's go to our next category because there was something on the bright side. And on the bright side, Justin Fields, 16 to 29, 211. One touchdown, two picks, 61.1 pass rating. Hard to find the bright side, but if I would be able to start, I'm going to go with the touchdown pass to Chase Claypool. He threw with conviction. He threw to a spot. A little bit risky, perhaps, but that's the kind of thing we're talking about. You can't be that risk-averse and expect to have success. He took a shot. The receiver was there, rewarded that faith. Hopefully he learned from that when he watches it again on tape, and it was a 20-yard touchdown to a receiver who needed to have that for his own sake and for his own, uh, uh, I think, profile. So Justin Fields, that was, to me, one of the bright spots on a day that didn't have too many. I like it. My bright side is uh, the things that we talked about going into this game. We said this offense had to do two things above all else. Number one, they had to get off to a fast start. Number two, they had to get DJ Moore much more involved. They did both together. Uh, early and often, and, and Justin hits DJ Moore on the first pass of the game for 33 yards. It's a play that if you go back and watch it, it's just boom, rip it, ball in your best playmaker's hands. He's out the gates. He gets 33. Later on that drive, they convert third down, David, with a, a just a, a beautiful collective. It's one of those where, where the, you know you hear coaches all the time, oh, we need to be in sync all 11 at once. Well, you get a blitz, and you get a, a running back in Khalil Herbert to pick it up and give you the time, and you get DJ Moore on what Justin Fields said was a choice route, making the decision against the leverage of the defensive back that he felt was right. Justin seeing it the same way, ripping it out there. It's another big gain for 30-plus. Down the sideline you go, and a few minutes later, you're in the end zone celebrating a touchdown. And again, it's like, okay, this is in here. This is why you gave away the number one pick. You got a bunch of future assets, but you also wanted a player that could help you now. DJ Moore helped you right away on Sunday. His total numbers for the day, seven targets, six catches, 104 yards, average of 17.3 yards per catch. You will take that every single week if you're the Chicago Bears, and they better start to, to, to do that and continue feeding him in a way that gets this offense going. That's a good one. Can't argue with anything you said there.